described as the squishy heart at the center of enterprise IT. And this Wait, week- we haven't said that in a long time. You just went back to squishy heart. That's okay. We could continue. That's good. But I, I thought we weren't the squishy heart anymore, but that's okay. I thought we were the squishy heart. What let's, were we? Let's continue to be the squishy heart. I'm good with that. I'm good with that. So, sorry to interrupt you, Dominic, on your, your mind. Are we the cold flinty heart? <laughs> the cold flinty heart. Yes, yes. We're becoming very bitter, very bitter, very fast. Although I will say that uh, it's been very good this week. I feel very, very loving of my fellow humans because I got to see them again in three dimensions, which was amazing. So regular listeners will know I've been plugging mongodb.local for the last few episodes. So that took place this past Tuesday in London. And it was amazing. It was amazing seeing uh, seeing people in three dimensions with legs, as we mentioned last week. That's, uh, that's kind of important. <laughs> it wasn't the metaverse. It wasn't the metaverse. No, exactly. And then we had our customer advisory board the next day. So I got to see even more people. And of course, in and around that, there was all the, the usual catching up with colleagues uh, that goes on uh, in the margins uh, of these things and talking to analysts and whatnot. So really, really good. I'd missed it. Um, it was a little bit weird dealing with this in time of COVID. And some of it was fairly seamless. The whole check-in process, I don't know how it is with US airlines, actually, but uh, there's this new extra stage before you get to the get your boarding pass where you have to upload all of your va- proof of vaccination, proof of test, uh, and then that gets evaluated, and then you get the the actual check in and get your boarding pass link. How does that work in the U.S.? That's what that's what we well, I I mean, when I traveled over the summer, we had to show to come back to the U.S. We had to show a negative COVID test, but it was just somebody who came in line and checked to fly out of the country uh, because the country we we're going to had some kind of. Um, like visa uh, vaccine passport requirement, we had to upload a bunch of documents and then we were good. And yeah, as long as the airline didn't even check that, they checked it when we got off the plane. But okay, that's the Caribbean. It's kind of weird, right? But no, yeah. no, all of this, was, there were no humans involved in this process. I mean, there may have been on the back end, but it was all upload a QR code here, upload a QR code there. Okay, in return, no. you can have this other QR code. No, in the US, it's all manual. So you got to show your vaccine card. But I hear, I hear in the Northeast, there's a, and maybe lie like you can answer this. There's some restaurants that require like a vaccine confirmation to get in, but you could show them a picture of your vaccine card on your phone. I, I heard that that's good enough. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's what's happening in New York. So I understand that at times it comes to blows. Um, I think that goes by venue, though. Is, uh, Jimmy Zavinsky, who's been mentioned on this podcast before, uh, the guy, one of the creators of Netscape, who now runs a, a, a bar and club in San Francisco. Uh, he became somewhat infamous because he wasn't accepting pictures on phones. He wasn't, I, yeah. He was not accepting in his bar on the basis it was too easy to falsify. Yeah, which I makes mean, sense. I mean, all of them are too easy to falsify. In fairness, yes. Uh, our QR codes have a verification, a cryptographic verification check with a central server. So if you show up with a QR code but it's, it's not valid, uh, it will not pass validation. And what we have is a post-it note with CBS stamp <laughs> yeah. on top. <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, so, yeah, I I didn't get my vaccine at a CVS or a pharmacy because I wanted to make sure I was in the CDC's website. But, okay, maybe some people didn't want to go to that length. But, yeah. So, yeah, so at the venue, so same thing at the venue, we got checked. um, Did you have to do it? Did you have to do a test? So so you went cross border. So flying back, did you need a negative test to come back to Italy? I did. Uh, So I got my nostrils reamed out both ways. 
Where uh, did you do this? Like at the airport? Was it a rapid test? Was it a PCR test? So many questions now. I know. As a, I did three tests. So one of them was not obligatory. That was more for my peace of mind. So I did a pre-departure test, so just so I was clean before leaving. Uh, in Italy, just walk up to a chemist and uh, and do it on the spot. Uh, then I had a pre-booked arrival test. And you can do that. The UK lets you do it two ways. You can either have a thing delivered to your hotel, which a bunch of my American colleagues had done, and almost all of them got lost and they had to rebook them, <laughs> which is oh, amazing. Geez. But being the suspicious type as I was, when I saw we will ship it to your hotel, I was like, no, you won't. Uh, that's mm -hmm. gone wrong too many times. And so I booked a thing at Heathrow. So I literally walked out uh, as arrivals, turned left, and there's a place there you can get swabbed. But and it's a rapid test at that point because you're yeah. not waiting 24 hours. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, no, this was a 24-hour delivery. I got the email the next day. Oh, interesting. Oh, wow. okay, a real PCR. Okay. Yeah. Uh, sorry, but that was to f to get into the UK or to get out back to Italy? To get into the UK. You have to have a day two test within 48 hours of arrival. Whoa. Okay. But they do accept these self-administered things, uh, which is a little bit weird. Uh, those are not accepted in Italy. So, And then to return, I had to do a fit to fly, which is another nasal swab. And that has to be within 48 hours of takeoff. And so I went and did that at a testing location. And I had to supply that to get my boarding pass to return. So the US, it's three days before you need to take a test coming back. But I think the easiest way is you get the FDA approved like Abbott ones, and then you could just video somebody and do it in like your hotel room. So right. if I if I was flying international, I would probably buy them beforehand and then just have them there and just do it over video. I mean, I yeah, I need to, I need to check. Yeah, I need to check what I have to do. Uh, I'm also so reinvent is coming and I'm going in person. That's booked as uh, so a borrowing some random thing. So I have to figure out the US end of this. Uh, again, the, the test we do in Italy is acceptable for entry into the US, but I need to figure out how I can get in the US a test that's acceptable to get me back here as kind of a major concern. If it's if you need a nasal swab, just the Abbott test, we can that you have podcasting friends who have boxes of tests. <laughs> yeah, but it has to be the FDA one. Uh, F there's one of them that has the extra piece where you video in because I, I yeah, have a bunch of, not that. yeah, yeah I just because I have a bunch of rapid AG tests. I mean, yeah. yeah, everybody who has kids in school has a bunch of tests just to, yeah, you, you have a runny nose, a sore throat, boom, you're testing. Yeah. Yeah. So we had a yeah, meeting that, at a, that's the at part. a at a um, uh, one of our consultants' offices, shout out if you're listening to the podcast, folks, and uh, and they required us to to come in with a nasal swab test, but it didn't require the full FDA. You just needed a picture of your what looks a hell of a lot like a pregnancy test. Like you need a <laughs> yeah, lines, yeah. <laughs> look, I just have one line. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, look, you have one line. You're not pregnant, and you don't have COVID. Um, and 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 so that's what we needed to to go in and. That you know, and they said everybody needed vaccination. I would say, um, I, I was confident that the existing employees were all um, tagged and tracked. I, I myself never had to show a picture of my vaccine card, um, but I was I was fairly comfortable with the situation. Um, and the same is seems to be true at the office. I've been going back a few a few times a week, and it's cavernously empty, which is. Actually, it turns out what you want in office, what you actually want is the full office space and like 27 people. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, so the, it's, uh, it's been a weird mishmash because the venue that we had the event at had people out front scanning and you were not coming in uh, without proof of vaccination 
or a recent test like within 48 hours um but then you know you go to any restaurant or the hotel or anything like that so say, oh, it's fine come in take off your mask I'm like, eh, nope <laughs> no i'm not uh, <laughs> so so did the venue require masks like if you're sitting and listening to a session if you're walking the hallways or was it like you know in theory yes but there was zero enforcement and i would guess maybe a quarter of attendees kept their masks on uh so yeah that's uncomfortable I know I mean, London I is think... very relaxed by certainly by Italian standards. Everyone's in the pubs, everyone's in the restaurants, uh, very few masks. The tube, it varies. There were times I was on the tube and everyone was masked up and I was I was comfortable. And there were times I was on the tube and maybe once again a quarter of the passengers were masked and that, that made me a bit nervous. So so that's why I was wearing that big chunky FFP3 respirator you may have seen in my LinkedIn. Yeah. I wear a mask all day at the office and I think I'm the only one. Um, and uh, some of my colleagues delightfully uh, make, make me feel more comfortable by leaving theirs on when, when they're near me. Um, and you know, it's, it is cavernous and empty, which makes me feel a lot yeah. better about it. Right. Like I, I probably have more personal space than my child does in school by a mile. Um, and so I sort of get my head around that, but um, it's, it's fascinating. Like it's a real fascinating dynamic of, how you negotiate these relationships. And certainly at, at a trade show, you're not in any position usually to enforce that. Like, I, I mean, I, I can barely in, enforce who hugs me at a trade show, let alone whether they're wearing a mask, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they broke out the, the happy hour and all the masks came off. And so <laughs> yeah, as soon as people are drinking. Yeah, so it's, yeah, it's it's hit or miss, right? I, I mean, look, at some point, we're going to have to lose lose the masks, right? And I think it's going to happen rather early in the new year, to be honest, because... Unless I mean, there's another outbreak over the winter. <clears throat> yeah, but even at that, I mean, now Pfizer's released like a pill that you can take if you do get yeah, COVID. I mean, once, once this... Again, like starts, pregnancy, there's a day two pill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> COVID's like pregnancy. Finally, it's equalized this whole domain. <laughs> <laughs> you said it, Lilac, not us, not us. You know, this is why you invited a woman to join the podcast. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> the color commentary. I think it's I, I think it's very interesting. Um the the element of crossover. I, the one thing I will say, look, as somebody who's neurotic, I will admit I'm neurotic on this, and certainly until my child is fully vaccinated, you're gonna see me continue to be neurotic, right? That's Wait my a second. behavior. Who who in IT is not neurotic? Um, I don't know. I, I don't want to answer that. That feels like it's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, but I do, I do. It's feel why like... IT runs on coffee, booze, and cigarettes. And yeah. I, I did meet one per- doing Doritos. I did meet one person who didn't do any of the three, and he was very odd, even by the standards of IT. <laughs> so he was normal. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he was a surfer he was a who, surfer dude <laughs> who who wants to be normal like normal's just boring but yeah, yeah. that's what we tell ourselves mike <laughs> the i think it's interesting that we uh, i'm the thing i'm happy about about the sort of relaxed standards which i'm trying to find the 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 bright side of all of this is that i was actually a little bit concerned that we were putting a very specific group of people in a very specifically tense situation right i have no right to your medical history and whether or not you are able to be vaccinated or have an egg allergy or whatever it is that's actually preventing you from being able to to have the vaccine 
um, or, or asthma or whatever it is that's making the mask more challenging for you. Like, I, I don't actually feel like I have the right to that medical information, particularly in a professional context where it can be used so very badly. And, and so I'm, part of me felt like we were walking into something that was a little reminiscent of the eighties where everybody had a certain level of fear of other and, oh my God, what if they're the one that is not you know, normally able or something. And, and that worried me because I didn't want that to be further compromising a group of people that probably are already not super overjoyed with their medical situation. Right. And so that piece, that piece got to me a little bit, and I'm glad that we have a little bit of flexibility. Um, now I do feel like the pariah who's got an N95 in the office while everybody else is like, you know, popping candy corn yeah Yeah, Yeah. that's so that's definitely one aspect to it and the problem of course as usual is humans uh the the problem in most systems uh back to the it cliches and everything runs fine when the users are away you never have outages at weekends have you noticed that (laughs) the uh, the problem is that you know people driving a horse and cart through the religious exemption uh, loophole, and meanwhile religious leaders yeah. are jumping up and down the periphery, going, "No, no, put on your mask, damn it!" But uh, that's uh, a whole other thing. But I do like the fact that we have some accommodations that came from the the pandemic that appear to be becoming permanent, and I hope they do, such as hybrid events. So we'd always had. Uh, videos of the like the keynotes and stuff but this was the first event i'd been at where everything was was videoed and live streamed and available archived all, all at the same time right so and that's what they're yep, gonna simulcast. do reinvent yeah reinvent too right so exactly and even the q a the q a the people in the room and the people remote had access to the same app for asking questions and i was fielding questions for one of the panels and i had questions coming in through both channels and then the people in the room also had a floating mic that they could uh, they could grab and, and ask the question live in the room. But again, because they asked it over the microphone, the people on the stream got to hear it. So it felt like it wasn't quite the same, the remote experience, but it was um, a lot better than it used to be to be the person remote compared to the person in the room. And I hope that we continue that because I was able to attend a lot of events in this past year that I never would have been able to attend in person just because they're time and travel commitments. And maybe you only care about one or two sessions. And if you watch the video stream, that's all you need. And then there are other events where you do genuinely want to dedicate the time and go there and have the, the whole experience. And then there are the people, as you say, you have whatever medical history and are not easily able to travel to attend events. And this lets them participate. And so I hope we do a lot more of that, not just for events, but also for in office. And I was very happy to go into the office and meet people with masks on. And that's something that I'd missed enormously. And uh, on the other hand, being remote has also uh, worked for me in all sorts of ways and seeing my kids grow up and whatnot. And again, other people might have mobility issues or other health issues that make it difficult for them to go into an office. And so I hope these accommodations we have stick around for for good and let people participate. I think like it... like. You guys might have watched it, Microsoft Ignite, right? And Ignite did the virtual stuff so awesome. Like, I, I think when they had their recorded sessions or whatever, when Satya's talking, you felt like you were there. Like, whatever they set up, like how the people were, like how they did panels, it was well done. I attended a Gartner event. Man, that was so brutal. <laughs> like, it was so bad. I mean, and yeah, I think for companies like, 
let's face it, like AWS, Microsoft, even you guys, you don't need people to show up, right? If you do it virtual, I think the, the people who are interested will continue to join. And you're probably getting more people with the virtual angle. A company like Gartner, or, or let's say... IDC, oh, yeah. I don't know if we've tallied the numbers, but there are a lot more remote viewers than in person. Yeah, it, exactly. So it helps, right? A, a Gartner where you pay for these sessions or, or these conferences, like they're not going to win at this game. It, it is a lose-lose for them. Are people really going to continue to pay the crazy fees to go to Gartner events? And like, I was very surprised, yeah, because the value there is the one-to-one, the whole way track of meeting people and being on the periphery of conversations that you might not even have been aware were going on. And yeah, uh, one of our analyst relations people got some tickets to an analyst event, won't mention names, uh, and he got to bring a plus one. So I got to come along as the plus one for free. Uh, that's uh, coming up. It hasn't taken place yet. But it was a four-figure price tag to attend a fully virtual event. I'm not sure I'd have paid that if it had been my own budget. I think the challenge or the question to me is, right, uh, yes, Gartner has and Forrester and those events folks are essentially, this is part of their business model, right? Events are a line of business for them and they're meant to be a profit yeah. business. Whereas and then for vendors like at- us or like Amazon, it's... Uh, a marketing event. It's not a profit center. Well, I actually would question that. Um, uh, so I'm, I'm going to say that I believe that reInvent is probably a profit center too. I believe that VMworld well, was a profit thing center. Was it's, it's about breaks even rather than making big profits. That would that would amaze me. Um, right. I, I And so I question though, like how are we pivoting in organizations? Like our event was, was sort of um, small enough, right, that we wouldn't expect, I think, Evolve to be a, a profitable enterprise. But once you reach a certain size and you're an industry event, and I think reInvent and VMworld and some, you know, back in the day, Information yeah, World yeah. and all these other ones were, were actually sponsorship driving activities, I begin to wonder how those are pivoting when we're looking at the financials of those businesses and what that's going to drive in terms of, um, innovative things like right because sponsor like all of the money made by giving you a piece of paper in the bag that you were handed that you didn't ever want and the logo on the back of the t-shirt and the kit kat branded with you know mongodb are, are all of those things are are part of where the money's coming from right um so i think it's interesting to see how this evolves over time in a way that uh either this business model just comes crashing down right and people say that these events are no longer a, a revenue stream or right, we have to find a new way to drive um, drive the money out of that system. Branded NFT avatars, that's the future. That's, that's definitely how it's going to be. I, I, I would agree. I would agree. Yeah. yeah. Buy your NFT and you could attend for life. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> oh, God. I mean, I think you want like, to be able to be like a kangaroo or a lizard if you're doing that. Yes, yes, yes. I, I still don't own a board eight yacht club, but I dream of it one day. So there you go. <laughs> I can right click one and send it to you. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, oh boy, you guys are terrible. <laughs> but yeah, so I've really enjoyed being back out in the world. I I did not enjoy doing my expenses. I'd forgotten about that. Itemizing expenses, painful. Turns out. Uh, especially when you get pulled into a meeting that happens to take place in the pub uh, and you're paying by the round and then you realize oh, that was actually quite a lot of rounds. 
<laughs> and you have to itemize each round. <laughs> so what was it? I have to ask you, I have to ask, because I think I ha- I have my own answer to this. The weirdest thing you've ever tried to expense, and let's keep it clean. <laughs> oh, and now you've added that caveat. Sorry. I, I, I don't remember anything particularly weird. I'm, I'm pretty vanilla in my expenses, that, you know, planes, yeah. trains, and automobiles. Yeah, rule number one, never lie in expense reports. I don't, yeah, n- never had anything weird. Okay, so I once got called out on an expense report um, because I tried to expense a very large ice cream sundae as dinner. And (laughs) (laughs) on a trip, on a trip, I didn't want dinner. I did want ice cream. I felt like it was fair. It was cheaper than dinner. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) It was large. It filled me up. (laughs) I got a note. Um, This is ice cream. This isn't dinner. And I was like, but I didn't eat dinner. And I ate ice cream. <laughs> exactly. I've expensed a lot of things that weren't, you know, sit down at a table with a knife and fork as dinner and never had that question. Right. So literally vanilla, Dominic. My my exception. Literally vanilla. vanilla. <laughs> oh, well played that. No, the weirdest thing that's happened to me with expenses was a couple of companies back. Uh, I expensed a train ticket and it was you know, all of 30 odd euros. And it held back uh, a four, if not even five figure expense report because it said first class so it's a first class train ticket it's like yes but it's 35 euros oh no no you need to get vp approval for this so okay <laughs> and typically train no one will say anything right i mean it's, oh, okay. it's so i figured out the the org charts because i've just been a reorg found the the relevant vp called him up and said hey so uh, this happened uh so sorry to bother you but like i said it's holding up this other massive expense report uh, so they're not just wasting your time; they're wasting my time now. That's more than the value of this entire expense report. Let me sort this out. <laughs> I never had an expense report question that that company again. I could have driven a horse and <laughs> cart through that expense system. When when I was at IBM, somebody's expense report I remember got uh, disapproved because they ordered a coffee uh, a minute past midnight and they put it on the wrong day and they rejected the whole thing which at the time was like a terrible system that everybody had to resubmit everything. It was like, yeah, because he selected the wrong day because it was a minute past midnight. I mean, on the flip side... drinking coffee after midnight. I do know that I I worked for an unnamed company like a thousand years ago. I won't say who and I won't say what. And somebody was summarily dismissed for um, using his corporate card to buy an engagement ring. He said he was not going to expense it, but you don't get to use the credit limit either. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, uh, that's harsh. I, I think there's a lot of people that do that, uh, not realizing the the big mistake they're doing. But yeah, well, corporate yeah. cards have fallen out of favor, though. Like totally. I, I used to I carry had one. one in years. Yeah, I had one at IBM, and then it, which is now pushing twenty years ago, and I haven't had one since. Everybody just wants this, to, and that's actually a real issue, honestly. Right? People want you to flood it through your your personal credit mm. card, which we are blessed and privileged to usually not have any trouble with that but not you know, only. we find it's a perk because we get the points i really enjoy the loyalty points i get from those four and five figure expense reports but someone but, starting but, out in their career would not be able to carry that float or but, even but in guys, a region right uh, like uh, my yeah. team it would it would be surprising to expect somebody in a different region to pay for u.s-based expenses given their general financial profile and everything we know about them right like a a trip to reinvent for somebody who was early in their career in a in a in a low-cost region might might completely break their entire credit limit but but hold on a second if you guys are not using your corporate card then it's not pre-filling any of your expense reports 
No. Some some things are. So I was I was just going to plug Trip Actions, and now I have two reasons to plug them. Uh, so we used Trip Actions at the previous company, and we just switched to them here as well. And they are really really good about integration with various systems. Uh, so that you get that, and it also lets you use for no fee. It lets you use the trip action system and all of the setup that's got in there to book personal travel. You just have to flag it. This is a personal trip. Don't do the integration stuff. So trip action is really smart. I highly recommend them. Because typically, like an expense report system, if you have like a corporate card, they should be exchanging it pulls like, level, in. So level, I three had that. Card, level three card data, which then gets very, very detailed. And I think then it's like, yeah, your expense report is not a pain in the butt anymore. I mean... Yeah. I, I have had none that. I had that at BMC, and it was actually less helpful than you'd think uh, because what it did was it put it in a queue, but you started to go through each report and itemize or whatever. So it didn't actually help me that much. Uh, it was you know one percent difference in the level of effort compared to using my personal card. I think these systems have gotten a lot better. Theater's like a wonderful symphony, and if done right. It's done right. Data is a wonderful symphony. I'm going to get that embroidered on a pillow for you. <laughs> and send it to me? That's great. That's great. It'll be my own marketing material. Yeah. yeah. I'll, tell, I'll tell them I got it at some conference and everybody will understand then. Yeah. So don't I'll touch it. Yeah. I'll sell it to, to my MongoDB uh, marketing people as well. <laughs> I'm on already. I'm doing it. We're doing this. This will be part of our merch for our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yes. There we go. But no, so that's um, that's been a, a highly enjoyable week. I'd missed traveling, because, partly because I'd missed people, uh, but also partly, uh, I think I've talked about this before, I miss being single-threaded. Uh, when I'm here at home in my home office, I'm hardly ever single-threaded. I'm usually, that's why I've got umpteen bazillion monitors here. Because I'm watching the live stream from one event and keeping an eye on Slack in the, in another window. And then there's email over there and something pinged. And there are a couple of other browser windows uh, hidden over to the side. This, uh, and I might just, uh, my eye drifts over when the conference gets boring. And, and then the kids come in and something else happens. And you're never doing just one thing. The incredible luxury, and let's be clear, it's a huge luxury of being able to just set my out of office and say, if it's not relevant to the event, I'm going to be dealing with it the day after tomorrow, uh, was amazing. And you know, I'm paying for it today. I've only just dug myself out of uh, my inbox and it's halfway through the afternoon. But <laughs> it, it was very enjoyable. You, you know, what's also interesting is like, okay, so you, you watch all these live events at, at home on the screen. How, how often do you get distracted? I, I find that yeah. is, is a real issue, right? I mean, especially if they lose you and get boring, it's like right away you're like tuned out. It's like, what have they been talking about for a half hour? I'm no like, idea. Right. Yeah. yeah. So that's, that's why I will once again plug the exercise device in front of TV screen uh, method for consuming these things. Uh, that doesn't work if you need to take notes, of course, but I do enjoy the the sessions I take from my ROA. And it means that's not going to work on our Tesla, <laughs> uh, on our on our Peloton, Mike. I was going to say, no, no, neither, it won't. Actually, it won't. neither is going to work. Yeah, 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 that's a that's a real problem. Yeah, so yeah, <laughs> yeah. there's a, a hole in the market there. Maybe some other vendor can come up with something. I will say that the sessions would be incredibly compelling if there were a hall of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Them on a bike while they're exploring. Migrate your data faster. Faster. Yeah. yeah pedal, pedal. <laughs> the servers are shutting down. 
There's an idea. Well, um, but yeah, that's also going to be my recommendation for this week. If and when you can, and if and when you're feeling comfortable with it, uh, I'd forgotten just how good it was. I was eager to do this, but even so, uh, it was it was even better than than I remembered. And partly this because our events team are rock stars and they put together a fantastic event, but partly it's just because it's good to see people and be out in the world and be somewhere different. Did either of you have anything in particular to recommend this week? I uh, recently listened to an episode of the Tim Ferriss Show uh, with Chris Dixon, who is an Andreessen Horowitz, uh, I guess, partner, and Naval Ravikant from AngelList. Um on NFTs, oh, yeah. Crypto, I Web3. I saw a lot of Twitter outrage about this one. I haven't actually listened to it. Twitter outrage? What? Never. <laughs> Never. Uh, it was like uh, kind of eye-opening. I think I've been talking about like Web3 for a little while now, but but digging in. I mean, look, the use case is not is not there yet, but it's going to come. Um, and I, I like how they compared it to the initial like, web 2.0 with like flicker and delicious which are not around anymore so yeah 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 so yeah so who will be lilac's gonna laugh at me and then i could make a mainstream reference so we'll, we'll take it from there. <laughs> i think we're getting predictable mike yeah oh predictable jeez okay. okay let me take it a different direction then who will be the yahoo of web 3 that will buy all of the flickers and delicious <laughs> and the kill them? And, i don't know but they're not they're not they don't exist yet they don't exist it, yet it's so. really interesting actually that we don't have a, a yahoo of like like the as somebody who lives in an organization that often supports the aggregation of technologies for critical systems that may not be as current as others, um, I would say it's fascinating that that some of the stuff that's emerged in the last two decades doesn't have the same aggregation function. Like, do we know who's out there saying, yes, there's a MySpace revenue stream where we're going to keep milking for a while? I don't... Oh, man, that's Who's a, the that open question. text of MySpace? Question. Yeah, yeah. There's one we have to reflect on. Let's see if we can find a guest to talk about that one. <laughs> okay. I don't think it's in any of our wheelhouses directly. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. Anyway, any recommendations from you guys? No. Okay. No. Silence. What? What? What's happening? Come on. We've uh, lost our opinions. They're all gone. I gave my oh. my recommendation. People. <laughs> they're, they're, they're annoying, but sometimes they're good. <laughs> <laughs> When when is reevent by the way, Dominic? It's in a couple of weeks, right? It's uh, right after Thanksgiving, so I'm flying out on the 28th of November and then returning on the 3rd of December. There won't be anybody at any airports in the U.S. You're fine. no, no, you're fine. <laughs> you're, and, and the four hours in Newark will just fly by. On uh, yeah, Newark's a terrible place to have a layover, but hey, I know it well. The yeah. the United Lounge is uh, is actually okay. It's fine. All right. Well, with that, thank you all for listening. You can follow the show and our various events shenanigans on Twitter at Roll4Enterprise with the number four in it or on our LinkedIn page. The link is in the show notes. Theme music is by my good friend Renato. And please do send us suggestions for topics and or guests for future episodes, especially if they have opinions about Web3 and NFTs, apparently. Thank you all. <laughs> Bye. Thank you, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.